Well, today we start our three-part series on prayer, and as was noted earlier, I'm preaching live here, and Kurt Sparkman's preaching over in the gym venue, and Ben Wilson, our campus pastor, is at our Liberty Hill campus preaching there, and we're excited about sharing this series on the topic of prayer. There, there perhaps is not another topic that we could preach on, that I could preach on this morning, that has the, a greater potential for creating guilt in your life than prayer. Maybe money would be a close second, maybe even first. So I'm super excited about preaching on prayer today because we all love more guilt in our lives, right? Waiting for the punchline? <laughs> Years ago, I was unaware that I could not see very good because all I'd ever known was no glasses. And I just walked around and thought that everything looked the way it was supposed to look. And so when I looked around, things were not as clear as they could have been. They're a little bit fuzzy, like looking at you right now. But I didn't know that because that was all I knew. But I did start to have some symptoms where I had some eye fatigue, some headaches, I found myself having to get closer to things than I thought maybe other people were having to get close to. I thought, well, I'll just go to the eye doctor. So I go to the eye doctor, and sure enough, they go through all the tests, and they write a prescription for some eyeglasses. And I'll never forget the first moment I put on my new glasses. like, whoa, trees have leaves. It's not just a green blob. This is awesome. I, I, I could see so clearly when I put on my glasses. If you have gone through that experience, you know what that's like to think you see clearly and then to have something change and for you to then know you actually do see clearly. When it comes to prayer, I believe the reason that this topic can produce a great deal of guilt in our lives is because we simply don't look at the topic with the right lens. And what we're seeking to do over the next three weeks is make sure we have in place the proper lens of Scripture so that we see prayer clearly. And the last thing that happens in our lives around the subject of prayer is guilt. We want this to feel like an invitation, not an obligation. So let's dig in this morning. We're going to dig into 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to jump right in the middle of the section at the end of 1 Thessalonians where there are a series of commands. There's over a dozen commands at this last section of 1 Thessalonians encouraging people to live in Christ. And we're jumping right in the middle of these commands because there are three commands right here in the middle that deal with prayer. So we're going to jump right in the middle of these commands and read the ones that have to do with prayer. So let's read together 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, starting in verse 16. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. There are the commands related to prayer. Always rejoice, pray without ceasing, and in everything give thanks. When I do premarital counseling, I will often encourage the couple 
to work hard to avoid words like always in communication with each other. Words like never, those ultimatum type words, because they simply don't work good for good communication. You've been in that situation where you have either said or heard said, you always or you never. You ever been there? Am I the only one? When those things happen, what's the first reaction to that? The defensive reaction is, wait a minute, I don't always do that. Or wait a minute, I don't never do that. I did that at least once. I can remember when I did that at least one time. And, and so I tell them, don't use the words always or never because it creates this realm of impossibility. You can't defend that. It's impossible. The always is not possible. Now, when we read these commands, always rejoice. I think it's reasonable for us to think about that in terms of, are you serious? Always rejoice? Like in everything? I mean, I get it when I'm rejoicing because things go well. I'm rejoicing because my team won. I'm rejoicing because I passed the test in school. I'm rejoicing because things are working out in my friendships. I'm rejoicing because everything's going my way. I get that. That's easy. But are you saying that I've got to rejoice when my team doesn't win? Well, I've got to rejoice when I fail a test? You've got to rejoice when things don't go well with my friends or my neighbors or my family? What are you talking about? Always rejoice. And then we hear, pray without ceasing. I mean, who in here has not prayed just a little bit over the last 48 hours? I mean, isn't that everybody? We read that and think, wait a minute, how in the world? That's just not possible. Then we read, in everything give thanks. In everything? Really? We read these commands and our response to these commands is, this seems impossible. It does not seem possible that we could actually do what you're commanding. Always, without ceasing, in everything. And so what we are tempted to do is either explain how these words don't really mean what they say. Well, yeah, it says always rejoicing, but in the original, it doesn't necessarily mean always. If these certain situations are going on, then maybe it could mean this way. And so we try to explain how always doesn't always mean always. Or we look at pray without ceasing and we somehow reconfigure it so it isn't really without ceasing. It's just when you're praying, you really pray with good focus or something. We try to explain it so that we can maybe feel better about the fact that we cannot actually do it in everything are you serious no I can't pray thankfully in everything now if it meant in most things I'll work harder towards that but in everything no way and so we begin to explain it in a way that we feel better about our inability to do it or we succumb to the temptation of just resigning to the fact that we're failures at prayer I mean every one of us who are followers of Christ and hear these commands, immediately recognize we do not measure up to these commands. And so sometimes we'll just conclude, I can't do always. I can't do without ceasing it. I, I just can't. There's no way. 
I can't be thankful in everything. I, I don't see how that's even possible. And so we just resign to failure and accept what little prayer is then a part of our life as people who recognize our failure. I cannot accept that Jesus Christ would give these commands and actually intend for us to react those ways. Like, I just can't accept that Jesus Christ says, okay, I'm going to give you some commands. Here they are. Always rejoice. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. And that he intended us to respond like, you've got to be kidding me, Lord. There's no way that you really meant that. So I'm not going to think about it like you said it. I'm going to make up some own things in my own mind. There's no way that God gave us that command and he intended us to respond of, thanks a lot, Jesus. I appreciate all the guilt you've now heaped on my life. It's going to be really fun following you. That's not what Jesus intended when he gave the commands. When he said always rejoice, he meant always. When he said pray without ceasing, he meant without ceasing. When he said in everything give thanks, he meant in everything. So what in the world is going on here? I think the answer to that question, a valid question we should be asking, is actually found in verse 18. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Jesus did not give us the commands to weigh us down into immobility, stagnation, dying and drowning in a lake of guilt. No, Jesus Christ gave us his commands so that we would see his will for our lives. Before we make a decision to trust in Christ as Lord and Savior, when we encounter the commands of God, whether it be because we read something in the Bible, whether it be because we heard something in church, or maybe it's just our own conscience that is convicting us about something that's wrong, that we know is wrong because God placed in us an awareness of right and wrong. However we experience God's commands in our lives, before we put our faith in Christ, we all recognize at the command that we are command breakers. When we hear the command, you are supposed to pray without ceasing. You are supposed to always rejoice. You are to, in everything, give thanks. We all are like, okay, we're command breakers. It's very clear. We've broken these commands. The Bible says if we break one, we break them all. We are command breakers. And so before we trust in Christ, the command is given so that we might recognize that we are command breakers. The Bible says that the law of God is a tutor that leads us to Jesus Christ. And so now, in our awareness of command breaking, we see that we need a command keeper. Jesus Christ has kept every single command perfectly. And he kept every single command perfectly so that when he died on the cross for our sins, he could be a remedy for command breakers. So that we as command breakers could put our faith in the command keeper who kept every command on behalf of us so that we might be forgiven of our command breaking. And so in being forgiven, we might be restored to a right relationship with the command giver. 
God gave the commands, we broke them. Jesus kept the commands, died on the cross for our sins, so that we place our faith in the command keeper, we are restored in a right relationship with the command giver. And Then the command giver grants us his Holy Spirit, and his Holy Spirit comes alongside us so that now the commands have a new role. Remember, before Christ, the role of the command was to help me recognize I'm a command breaker in need of the command keeper, Jesus Christ, to restore my relationship and make it right with the command giver. After trusting in Christ, then the command giver gives me his Holy Spirit to be with me so that when I see the command given, I now know what his plan for me is. This is God's will for me in Christ Jesus. You know what God's plan for me is? Always rejoicing. That's his plan. Do you know what? I don't always rejoice. I don't. But you know what? I know where I'm headed. I'm headed to the point in time where I can always rejoice because that is God's will for me in Jesus Christ. I know my destination. I don't pray without ceasing. I want to. I try to pray more, but the reality is I have moments in my life where prayer is not on the forefront of my mind, and when it should be, it particularly moves me to a place of feeling like I've not been who I'm supposed to be. But here's the thing. Even though I do not right now pray without ceasing, I know where I'm going. God's will for me is to be a person who prays without ceasing. And someday, Jesus Christ is going to fully redeem this broken body affected by sin so that I perfectly communicate and have conversation with Jesus Christ forever, at all times, in eternity. I know where I am headed. I don't give thanks in everything. There are some things that I really have a hard time knowing how to give thanks in. And it's a challenge. I'm trying. I want to go that way. I'm exercising that in faith. Lord, I want to be thankful for this right now, but I don't feel very thankful. I don't know how to get there. But here's the thing. Yeah, I may not be able to keep the commands perfectly right now, but I have a command keeper who has set me free from my command breaking so that I am forgiven for where I fall short. And he's placed in me the spirit of Christ to lead me toward where I'm headed so that one day, I will overflow with thanks forever and ever with nothing else but thanksgiving. I know where I'm headed. And his command is an invitation to enter into the journey towards my destination. I know what he wants for me. I know where I'm going. And I want to get there. Several years ago, I was tasked with the responsibility of planning a family vacation. When I say family, what I mean is that our five and our family, plus Lindley's parents and her brother, so eight of us all together, and we began to plan the trip. We picked out a destination. We picked out Truckee, California, which is real close to Lake Tahoe. It's a really cool place because I was tasked with the responsibility. That was one of my special suggestions because I figured there was a lot of trout fishing in the area. 
And uh, so I was manipulating things to get to go to this destination. And I presented this opportunity. We found this house where we wanted to stay is right on this trout stream. It's in this beautiful area of California, these mountains all around, hiking trails. It was gorgeous. Lots of cool stuff to do in Truckee. And I got to plan this out. And we made the, the, the decisions. We made the reservations. We did all the preparation. We knew where we were headed. And we are so excited about getting there because we knew exactly what it meant when we got there and all that we would experience together as a family. All we needed to do is just get on the way, headed towards our destination. And so you know what we did? We rented a 15-passenger van to drive 1,500 miles, 24 hours, one way. Yeah, you you feel my pain? (laughs) Now, I want to tell you, there were some good moments along the way. And there were some not-so-good moments along the way. One of our stops was the Grand Canyon. And we stopped there briefly, a couple days, and we were going to hike down into the Grand Canyon. You know what happens if you hike down into the Grand Canyon? you got to come back out of the Grand Canyon. So for some of our party, there was some good moments on that trip, and there were some not-so-good moments on that trip. All the way through that trip, we had good moments and bad moments. But you know what we kept doing? We kept getting in that vehicle and we kept moving towards our destination because we knew where we were headed. We knew what it held for us. And we knew the only way to get there is just keep on heading in the direction of where we were going. Do you realize that God has secured your destination? He has secured for you in Jesus Christ always rejoicing. He secured for you the destination of praying without ceasing. He has made fast the opportunity for you to always, in everything, give thanks. He has secured the destination by way of His command keeping so that you can see the commands of Christ as invitations of grace to get on the journey of where you will end up. That means that when you read the commands of Christ, you as a follower of Christ should see the commands not as obligation that you will fail and as a result experience a great amount of guilt heaped on your life. No, in Christ the obligation of command keeping was fulfilled in Christ so that you can see His commands as an invitation into grace. The grace of the journey towards your final destination. Do you realize that all of us together in this place fall short in praying? Every one of us. There's not a one in this room that prays and talks perfectly to God. But did you know that in all of life there is no other area where we mess up? Like we're all messing up in prayer. There's no other area in all of life where we all mess up that is more grace-filled than prayer. Do you recognize that when you cry out to the Lord, that you are brought into His presence? And because of the command keeper, you have the attention of the command giver as if you've never broken a single command. 
It's an invitation into grace. Every time you enter into prayer, no matter how you come, no matter how you cry out, you've walked into enormous grace. Do you know when we talk about always rejoicing, praying without ceasing, in everything giving thanks, that it is often the case for followers of Christ to immediately feel that we fall short. I could sit up here and tell you, the Lord tells us to pray without ceasing. What's your problem? We're like, well, what's your problem? Arrogant preacher, you know, because you would know that I don't do it either. Because all of us fall short. And in Christ, we all feel the fact that we fall short in light of the commands. But please, don't ever misunderstand again the feeling of falling short, falling short in Christ. Do you know what it means when we see the command of Christ and we know we fall short of the command and we sense ways that we need to do something different in our lives to align with the command. You know what's happening when that happens? It's a great gift from Christ called conviction. You know what conviction is? Conviction is the Holy Spirit coming alongside you, reminding you that you're not held accountable for your breaking of the commands, that Jesus was held accountable for your command breaking, and that you are not liable for that guilt. So now you have the opportunity to taste what it's like to keep commands on behalf of Christ. And there are some things in the way you act, some things in the, maybe the way you think or believe that God wants to change in your life so that you can get back on the journey of heading towards your destination. The commands of Christ are an invitation to taste and see glimpses of your destination along the journey. It's your opportunity to get back in the vehicle and just keep on going till you get to your destination. Please don't ever misunderstand what you feel in falling short as anything other than this gift of God to come alongside you and urge you back onto the path towards your destination. You know what will happen if you don't understand what you feel? You'll misunderstand what you feel as guilt. You'll begin to think that you're actually accountable for your law-breaking. And you'll misunderstand that Jesus Christ has kept the commands on your behalf so that now you can enter into a relationship with a command-giver who helps you along the journey of heading towards your destination. And if you forget all of that, you know what's going to happen to you? You're going to resign to being a failure. You're going to quit trying. And you're probably going to end up heading in the opposite direction of your destination. And that's not why Jesus gave you His commands. He gave you His commands so you will know where you're going. And He's given you His Holy Spirit so you have a helper along the way who convicts you and helps you get right back on the path so that we all would be a people through the commands of Christ who experience the grace of God and not the guilt of being a command breaker. This is far better way to live your life. And you have been invited to adjust your life to the commands of Christ so that you might taste 
the grace that is offered to you in Jesus Christ every moment of the way. Many years ago, when Lindley and I had been married just for a little bit of time, we sat down with her parents, and we were telling her parents about some of the aspects of our new marriage that we really loved, and we thought we were you know, really doing good in marriage, thought we were real happy in marriage and excited about some things, and I'll never forget her parents looking at us and laughing and through smirks of, of laughter saying to us, they've been married this time over 25 years. And saying to us, you don't have a clue. (laughs) And they said, you have no idea what's in store for you if you keep on working hard. Because I promise you, when you get to where we are, if you stay in this thing, you're going to look back on where you are today and you're going to think, We weren't near as happy as we thought we were. They said to us, it just keeps getting better, better, and better. That's what the commands of God are intended to do in our hearts. To read those and to know, because this is his will for my life, every day I get back on the road of heading towards my destination is going to be better and better and better. That's exactly what this passage teaches us. It closes with a prayer. I want you to listen to this prayer. Verse 23 says, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, keeping you perfect in your spirit, your soul, your body, blameless in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that means? This is a prayer that's being prayed. God, will you take these people that you have secured by Jesus Christ and will you bring them to their destination? I want you to take them from where they are, wherever they are, and take them to where you want them to be. Get them to their final destination. That is what he's praying. He wants us to see the commands as where we're headed and trust that Jesus Christ can get us there. And so look what he says in verse 24. Faithful is the one who called you and he will do it. He will do it. We're not there yet, are we? We don't pray like we should, do we? But we hear the commands. Always rejoice. Pray without ceasing. In everything, give thanks. And what we should immediately react to those commands is saying, Thank you, Lord, that you have shown us where we're headed. And now, Lord, we want to respond to this promise in the form of command by walking into this invitation of grace and getting back on the journey of heading towards our, gener- our destination more than ever. Lord, we know you will get us there. Amen? I mean, pray and pray more. If, if you're thinking about leaving today, say, well, I don't know what to do. Well, when you go out to get in your car today, I want you to think of three things that will help you the rest of the week to pray and pray more. Car, C, confess your sin. Every day, you got stuff to confess. So do I. We sin every day. 
Just ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to confess? What's going on in my life that's not what you want it to be? What has happened that I need to experience your conviction so that I get back on the journey towards the destination and not headed the opposite way because of guilt? Guilt just gets us headed in the opposite way. I want to respond to conviction. So confess sins. Hey, ask the Lord. You got needs in your life? You got tons of needs. We all do. And guess what? All the people around you got tons of needs in their life. Well, guess what we can do? We can ask the Lord. He wants us to ask Him what we need. He cares. How in the world could we conclude anything different when God has displayed to us how much He cares about what we need by giving us Jesus Christ? He cares about what we need. He cares about what your friends need, what your neighbors need. Ask Him. Or rejoice. Just start thinking about what it means to be forgiven, to be set free, to not be held in your position of guilt, but to be forgiven by the command keeper, restored to a relationship with the command giver. Rejoice. Practice thankfulness. When you get in your car, confess your sin, ask for needs to be met. And rejoice in who Christ is. Every week and get ready to leave the day for the day, get in your car, think about it. Pray and pray more. Pray with somebody. One of the greatest things I've done in my life through the, through the past is pray with somebody or a small group of people. Inevitably, my prayer time with others has consistently impacted my prayer time by myself. It just helps me a lot to spend time praying with other people and then come out of that and spend time praying and seeking the Lord. Set a time and a place in your life. Create reminders in your life. Put up post-it notes and sticky notes all over the place. Turn your watch upside down for a few days. Put alarms on your phone. Whatever it takes, create reminders in your life to pray and pray more. Maybe use a prayer journal. This is a great thing for you to try to do. Just take a notebook, and in that notebook, let me tell you what I do. I put in that notebook things I want to pray for on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, just so that when I come to Thursday, I'm thinking, well, what am I going to pray about today? I go to my Thursday. Here's who I'm praying for. Every Thursday, I'm praying for these people. So I list out what I want to pray for so that I have an idea where I'm headed. Then in another section of the, of the prayer journal, I'm writing down requests, needs. So I'll write down today's date, and in there I'll write down a prayer need. And then I'll leave a blank over there to write down the answer and the date it was answered. And I'll start building a prayer list as I'm praying through the weeks. It's really fun to have that because over time you'll begin to fill in the answered column. And you'll write down in there what date it was and what it was that God did. It's so amazing to see and look back on all that God has done as you've cried out to Him. And you'll be so encouraged to pray and to pray more. What's really cool is when somebody comes up to you and says, you will never believe what God did in my life. And they'll tell you and you'll be like, uh, actually I will believe it because believe it or not, I've been praying for you and I'm going to get to write this down in my journal that you answered, that God answered. I mean, it's, it's so cool to experience the Lord answering prayer. And then in one, the final section of my prayer journal, I'll just write down today's date. I'll write down a verse that I read and what I'll do is, is, based on that verse and what I see about the Lord, I'll just say, I'll write down a prayer. Lord, I just want to thank you for how much you love me. And Lord, I'm praying that today your love would affect the way I love others. I just write down a simple prayer. Those are just things that help me pray and pray more. Because here's the thing. I know I've not arrived, but I know where I'm going. And I sure don't want to miss an opportunity 
of tasting and seeing a little bit more of where Jesus Christ is taking me. Pray and pray more.